find your Bibles, open your Bibles with me this morning. The wisdom of God's Word comes to us from Ecclesiastes today, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. The wise preacher of Ecclesiastes, Solomon himself, or one who seems to understand the king's experience, he's leading us on this journey of very harsh reality. And the more I read through Ecclesiastes, maybe you're finding this too, as you read these words, just how much I appreciate the honesty uh, of the preacher here, uh, that God has actually given us this language and this investigation uh, to go on uh, with, uh, with this wise preacher. Very similar to what, uh, what we have in Job. You know, it is, it's honest, it's, it's earthbound, it is, um, I mean, just in the trenches of life. Um, you know, how can I get out of bed in the morning kind of stuff? And, uh, but then every once in a while, you know, as we're reading this, we get a glimpse of the points or the true trajectory that he's uh, taking us on. Uh, remember that the, the preacher here, that the material we have in Ecclesiastes is not coming from someone who does not believe that God exists. It's coming from one who acknowledges that everything under the sun exists because of God. He is the creator, sustainer, and sees it all. So as we move into chapter 3 here, preacher tells us there, there's a time, there's a season for everything. Things that we know are good things. Things that we experience as not good uh, at all. But uh, we're going to read through verse 15 this morning. It says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before Him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. Let's pray together. Father, the Word that You have given us is a Word that we need. Lord, it's a word that we desire. Make it even more so a word that we desire. Teach us now by the very presence and power of Your Holy Spirit. Conform us. Lord, conform our hearts and minds into the likeness of our Savior. Lord, we ask that You would 
shape us through Your Word. Help us, Lord, to make sense of the tension we may be feeling in this very moment as we read about these different times and seasons. Lord, help us in understanding that You are Lord over all. And may that be a comfort to us this day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We were living in St. Louis when they had the last space shuttle launch. Uh, space shuttle Atlantis launched in 2011. And uh, like you know, most guys, I think, I, I appreciate demonstrations, get somewhat emotional at demonstrations of raw power. And so I wanted to see this, uh, watch this. And uh, I think the kids were, let's see, 2011. So two, five, and seven at that point. I wanted them to see this because this was a historic event. So we called them in from the playground and we had a, our living room and dining room not much bigger than, than this space up here. And we watched the, the TV of this uh, space shuttle launch. And this is very impressive. Uh, Hannah was two years old at the time. She, do you remember this? Poking at the TV saying, there it is, Daddy, there it is. And the anticipation with a countdown, you know, three, two, one, and then there's ignition, and there's fire, and there's smoke, and then a million and a half pounds of thrust uh, to move this vehicle off the launch platform into transonic speeds, okay? That makes a bullet look like a snail. That's how fast this thing was going. Um, and then at about two minutes while you're watching, the, the camera angle shifts, and actually shifts to the external fuel tank, and you watch these solid rocket boosters separate and fall away. I can remember watching this and thinking, you know, that's a, that's a lot of bang for the buck. And it's only two minutes. You say, really, is that, you know, all of the, the material, all the time, all of the, the effort that went into this, and two minutes later, they're falling away back into the atmosphere. Really, is that, is that it? Um, is that all we need them for? And, and I think that's, the, that's a question that resonates with the preacher here in Ecclesiastes. Really? Is that it? Um, he's put in the time. He's put in the work. He's put in the resources. Um, he's afforded himself of every pleasure that the world has to offer. He's watched the fireworks and has said, is that it? Um, is that all there is? What gain is there from this? Uh, and that's a tension you and I understand well. Um, is that it? We, we study hard in our classes, getting the homework done. We're trying to meet deadlines for work, or a meeting with clients, or um, you know, we're we're making our our lesson plans. We're grading papers. Maybe we're cleaning the bathrooms. Maybe we're folding another load of laundry, and then phew, that's it. And you wake up tomorrow morning, you pick up where you left off. Clinging to that hope that there might be leftovers. That our efforts will somehow outlast us. So we feel that tension in the grind. And I think it's even true, even in a season of unemployment or retirement, our desires to fill our days with activity that matters. Find some satisfaction in this. So what do we do? How do we approach this tension that really we do feel in our gut? And first, it's important that we, we hear of God's sovereign plan over every matter under the sun. Okay, then we acknowledge that the frustration is real. That it's common to us. 
and then end with the assurance of God's commitment amidst this frustration. So sovereign purpose, common frustrations, and divine commitment. Um, A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up. It's interesting here how this preacher king is using what's called a merism in in these first eight verses. And merisms really, they lay out the whole range of activity, the whole range of emotions. So a time when it was born and a time to die and all the times in between. How much much input does a person have in when they are born? None. How much input do they have in when they die? Well, very little. How much control does a farmer have over when it's time to plant or when it's time to cultivate? He doesn't control this. These, These are seasons that are already established that God has appointed. And here that the farmer must respond in those seasons. A time to kill, a time to heal. We're not going to walk through all of these merisms, but they show God's purpose and appointed times for each of these things. Not commands, but they will happen. Killing will happen. And healing will happen in accordance with God's sovereign plan. I think we need, we need to be reminded. Remember you know, who, who it is that, that heals in His appointed time. Even as, as we prayed over this, thinking how the medical community is working so hard at a response to COVID and potential vaccines. And the doctors and the nurses can administer that vaccine, but it will only be effective if God appoints it to be. It will only help if He appoints it. He gives wisdom to the physicians, he's, but He's the one who is doing the healing on the time that He uh, determines. So there are times and seasons that we look forward to with great anticipation, great joy. Times that we don't look forward to as much. In fact, times that will shake us to the very core. Times where it's very hard to rest in the Lord. Times where He seems so very distant and times where He seems especially close. And those times, those seasons, they're happening alongside each other and inside each other. You know, I was thinking of Step Morgan. We've been praying for, for Step and his family. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, living in Jackson, Mississippi, Step goes, you know, he goes out to enjoy a bike ride on a Saturday morning, probably something to help him relax. And two weeks later, you know, he's learning what it's like now to, to go about life with, without part of his leg and how to, to learn to walk again. Um, so we respond and, and adjust to times appointed by God. And we make these adjustments based on external circumstances. We need the wisdom of God to respond. We need the wisdom of God to respond to the, the internal circumstances the times and the seasons within us. Um, you know, our attitudes and our moods change from day to day with the rising and the setting of the sun, the inclination of our hearts. And this affects how we respond to one another. We don't sing songs to a heavy heart. In Proverbs 15, where it says, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season, how good it is. 
to the right word at the appropriate time. We need the wisdom of God for this, to adjust our responses. Dr. S. Uh, S. Wine, Zach S. Wine, he, en- he enrolls this really helpful way. When he says, many of our frustrations come from not reading the times or not making adjustments to the seasons of life because it's uncomfortable or painful. We really struggle to adapt our expectations and end up forcing others to stay within those behaviors or expectations of seasons we're familiar with or, we're, or, or those that we prefer. You understand hear what he's saying? If I'm comfortable responding in a certain way, then I run the risk of responding that way to you in whatever season it may be. And that's, that's not overly helpful. In fact, it can be quite harmful at times. We need to follow God's Word where it leads here. Pray for wisdom to slow down, to humble ourselves, and make the adjustments that we need to for the different times we face. Different times our brothers and sisters are facing. And so the list here, all these merisms, really have a way of preparing us for the seasons, preparing us for the different times that we're going to face. Again, times we look forward to, to heal, to seek, to build up, to love. And times we don't look forward to, but are not shocked by as if something strange were happening. If this, our, our lives were an exception in this world. You know, to break down, to weep, to mourn, to die. God's Word prepares us for this, prepares us for what is to come. So we can see the times and the possibility of certain times. And instead of, of moving into that place of panic or fear or despair, we can actually wake up with confidence and even contentment that our God is shepherding us in this time and in this season. It's a great, great comfort here for the believer in a list like this. It also raises a question, right? A question like we find in verse 9 takes us back to chapter 1. What what does the worker gain from his toil? What good is it? Okay, I put in my time every day. Put in my time just to exist from day to day, and sometimes existing itself is hard. You know, the diapers still need to be changed. Many of us are out of that season, not all of us. Errands still need to be run. The house still needs repair. Even retirement, where we're taking care of ourselves. Okay, so there's plenty of business to fill our time. That, that word is unique in verse 10. It's only used in Ecclesiastes. But it's our task as human beings, not just the, the title of a job or a label that we have, but all those things that occupy our time. And that's all not neat and tidy, right? doesn't matter how organized you are or how disorganized you are. You will face frustration in the everyday tasks. Even if you love what you're doing every day, you love what God has called you to do, and you're in that sweet spot, there will still be times of frustration. Part of our experience in a world that has rebelled against God, in His declaration of that curse in Genesis 3, you know, God tells us that our work would be frustrated. A work that's good, a work that He made for us to do, will be frustrated. 
It would be toil. And we would not always see the outcome. We would not always see where, you know, its usefulness or the purpose of our work. It's even true when God says He's making something good of it. In the core of our being, that, that longing to see our frustrations mean something at some point, somewhere. And that our toil would some, somehow vanish into something eternally beautiful. And that, that's the tension. The tension we find there in verse 11. Desperately wanting to understand what is going on around us, why things are happening the way they are, but only God knows. And the text tells us here that God has placed within us a sense of the everlasting. Not a sixth sense like Hollywood will, will portray for you. But an everlasting sense. A recognition that that there is a foreverness to our existence. And Dr. Eswine says, he says, humanity still has Eden in its veins. Eden is still there in the veins of humanity, which really sets us apart from the other creatures. But we're not permitted to see how it all unfolds. We haven't been made for this. We could not handle this as finite human beings. God alone is the one who sees, who governs it all. He has that complete view when you and I only have a minuscule point of view. And that's, that's the tension. That's this wire of ambiguity in each one of us. And it really requires us to trust Him. It demands that we lean upon God. Lean upon Him in every season. In faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Preacher of the Hebrews tells us. So the Lord has given us this everlasting sense and robed it in mystery so that we would look to Him and depend on Him. Not in despair, but in, but in hope. In hope that He is he's working every work, that all things will be suitable in its time. You say, well, Brad, that's great. I know God's sovereign. I know He's big. I'm small. But life right now is really hard. Things are not pretty. I don't get this. You know, maybe, you're, maybe you're looking for a job. Maybe you're in what, what you consider to be a dead-end job. It doesn't look like there's any other places to go. Maybe your retirement is in question or there's illness in your family. Maybe you just received a card with 311 on it or sent one with 311 on it. Where's the beauty in this? Family, God is reminding us this morning that He's got it. One of my instructors once said, God's, God has a timeless timing. Timeless timing. You and I live on His timetable. And as the one who has eternity laid out before Him, He's intimately familiar with your needs. In 2020, in the midst of all of this, We must trust God's timing in our lives. He's never shown up too early. He's never shown up too late. His plan A is still in effect even when we don't understand what has happened or where it's going to lead. I need to hear that on November 15, 2020. That it's going to play out for the glory of God. Okay, your life, my life, the life of this church, your job, your education, your your health, your moves, 
are appointed of Him and will play out for His glory and ultimately for our glory in union with Jesus. So in the midst of the frustration, the tension we experience, this passage leads us to that divine commitment. The commitment of the Lord to us. The wise preacher concludes here in verse 12, 13, that we ought to be joyful to do good as long as we live. Right to the very end of our days. To spend them wisely for the Lord. To be about this good work that He has prepared for us in advance. Paul affirms this in Ephesians 2.10. So we can take joy in our work. We can take joy when the alarm goes off tomorrow morning because He's got it. He does. He's got it. His grace abounds. He's going to continue to provide for us, to provide for His church all that is needed in union with Jesus. As we read these verses, I think that there's a very real sense of presentness. Even as we long for what endures, especially in verse 13 here. Eating and drinking are very present in the moment activities. You take the bite. Lord, thank you for this bite right now. I can taste it. In COVID, we know that somehow that, that doesn't always happen. Um, I can work hard. I can toil right now because my rest is in you in your provision. Um, that's, how, that's how we enjoy what God has given us. Um, we can really take joy in the things of life because of the relationship that God provides with Himself. Um, he knows our circumstances. He knows our failures against Him. He, he knows our deepest needs. And He commits Himself to us in Christ. Jesus experienced the toil. He knows firsthand the brokenness and the frustration that we're experiencing. But Jesus, who is the timeless one, enters into time and space. And you know what He gains from His toil? You. He gains you. For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. Taking our sin, taking our guilt upon Himself. When you trust in the power of His blood, and you lean upon Him in faith, that is the only context for lasting joy. In Jesus, the meaningless takes on meaning. The vanity is answered by this expectation and sure hope of eternity. God has committed Himself to us through His Son. Unless you embrace His death and resurrection on your behalf, there is... There's a little joy in the toil or the tension. The longing you have for what will last will never be truly satisfied. So open your heart to the greatest of God's gift to humanity. Take joy in His work on your behalf. So we, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen in the next five minutes. But the Lord knows the beginning and the end. Nothing escapes His gaze. And that, that takes us to those last couple of verses. The plan, the purpose of the Lord endures forever. And so the preacher who's told us that there are all these, the seasons come and go, everything under the sun is vanity, acknowledges that God is over it all. He sees what is past. He sees what is to come. He even, it says in verse 15, seeks what has been driven away, which means he's continually reminded of what is past so that nothing is forgotten. That should tell us something. It should tell us that everything, even the smallest of things, 
have meaning and significance. Nothing that we do, nothing that we experience will be set aside or ignored or undervalued by the Lord. Also, we would fear before Him. So we would marvel at what He has done in all creation. Rest in His control. Even when we don't understand what's going on. Even when we don't know fully what He's doing. My kids can tear around the neighborhood on their bikes right now, but it wasn't always that way. They had to learn. And there was a little apprehension that went along with that when they first started to to learn to ride this was before we put them on those little strider things where they could push themselves but i'd stand them up on the bike and i'd I'd hold on to the seat and we'd start running through the grass they said you you steer and you pedal like crazy i've got you so that's what they would do we did that for a little while and eventually you know they reached their goal and the freedom of being able to ride that two-wheel bike Church, God is in control. His hand is on the seat and you and I can pedal like mad to the very end of our days in the confidence that He holds us. God's desire is that we would work hard now while resting in His completed work for us. And the time's coming when all this, this frustration, the pain, the toil, this tension, uh, it's going to be no more. The resurrected Christ will make known His victory in all the world. A day's coming. Prior to this, this shuttle launch that I mentioned, the commander of, of Atlantis, he said that the underlying motivation for every astronaut was, and I'll quote, a heart of exploration, looking around the bend and over the next curve. The future is bright for space exploration, uh, he said. And I don't know how far human exploration will take us and how far beyond the sun we'll be able to explore. But I do know, we know the future is bright. It's bright for those who go about their business in the Lord and rest in the one who does see around every bend and over the next curve when we can't. So brothers and sisters, we can make sense of right now. We can make sense of tomorrow morning when the alarm goes off because God is committed to His creation. He's accomplished His eternal purpose in the Lord Jesus. It's His work. Recreation is His work. And that is something that should lighten our load. Let's thank Him for this. Father, we do thank You for the wisdom of Your Word. We thank You that You appoint all seasons and You are sovereign over all and You are committed to us in the Lord Jesus. Lord, give us joy, we ask, by Your grace joy in our our lunch today and our eating and drinking, joy in the work that You have before us. Or give us greater joy in the completed work of Your Son, Jesus. Thank You, O Christ, for meeting us in this place, for feeding us through Your Word. We offer this all in Jesus' name. Amen.